everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by co-lead pastor, Amos Grunendijk. Why don't you guys grab Bibles, if you don't have them already, there's some in the back, and open up to John chapter 8. We've been in a series called Revive. We've been looking at images of life, metaphors that Jesus gives us. Uh, most of these metaphors, actually, actually, maybe all of them, not most of them, Jesus is saying, I am statements. And so we've been tracking through the first 15 chapters of John. Um, we started out with the metaphor of birth, which is messy and beautiful and vulnerable. Then we talked about breath, like the, the metaphor of spirit or like in a literal sense, breath. And I was reminded of how important breath is again this morning because I have a two-month-old. And almost every time I walk into a room, I stand and I stare at her chest and I wait for that breath. And I don't think this is unique to me. I think this is most parents who have had children. And it's such, and I'm always just like, oh man, it is amazing that that little person who is so vulnerable keeps breathing. And I was reflecting like, man, if we're, if we're people who follow Jesus, we got to make sure we're breathing. Like we've got to make sure we're connected to the spirit. Uh, last week was Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Like Jesus is the sustaining power of our spiritual life. And today, we'll be looking at Jesus as the light of the world. And so I'm going to start off today by lighting this candle to remind us that God is present. And so come, Holy Spirit. And I pray that as we read from your word that we experience your life, that we hear your voice, that we are strengthened and encouraged and transformed. And we're so thankful that you come to meet us. We're thankful for this church body. Thank you for being our light. Amen. Okay, you guys, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have light that leads to life. I'll just read that again. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. You know, we take light for granted. Uh, even at night, we have lights that we can turn on and we never truly have to be in the dark. But even so, many of you probably remember as children being afraid of the dark. Can you remember the last time you were afraid of the dark? For me, it was like three years ago, <clears throat> uh, but it was because I was watching The Walking Dead and uh, I had this like <laughs> fear of zombies coming after me. 
but, but why are we afraid of the dark? Or if you're not willing to admit it, why were you afraid of the dark when you were kids? You don't know what's there. There are perhaps monsters or zombies that you can't see that are coming for you. Anybody else? Why are we afraid of the dark? Why is the dark so threatening? You don't know what's there? Can't see anything. You could trip and fall so you could injure yourself in the dark. Have any of you been lost in the dark? In a corn maze, for instance. We were, at, we were at Cherry Crest yesterday. Is that where you were? And I heard someone over the loudspeaker say, could the youth pastor of such and such a church come to the whatever desk? <laughs> Somebody got lost in the dark in the corn maze. <laughs> Couldn't find their people. I've been lost uh, at nighttime in Cairo, Egypt, which is, was pretty scary. Uh, the idea of darkness being a place that is dangerous, that could lead to us getting lost, is like true in a literal sense. It's true in the spiritual sense as well. And there's, there's a lot of darkness around us and even inside of us. And we'll get to that. But in the darkness, through the darkness, Jesus says, I am the light of the world and you don't have to live in the darkness anymore. So as we think about the metaphor of light, there's actually a ton of angles to this. What I want to do is, if we have time, look at all the places that John, Jesus' close friend, references light. This is one of them. He, of course, wrote the books of First and Second and Third John, as well as Revelation. But there's, uh, there's not like inherent meaning, like what does it mean for Jesus to say, I am the light of the world uh, in the statement? So like as we unpack, perhaps we'll get a little fuller idea. But uh, even here, to understand the context of when Jesus is speaking and where Jesus is speaking will help us understand what Jesus means. So first of all, if you have your NLT, Jesus-centered Bibles, you flip back to chapter 7, verse 2, where it says, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. Now, if you were with us, I think it was two summers ago now, we did a series on Leviticus. Remember how fun that was? (laughs) People, it was fun for me, fun for some of you. Uh, You had to be here, I guess. I don't know. Uh, The the festival of shelters has a couple other names, the festival of booths, the festival of tabernacles. Does anyone remember what was celebrated during this feast? Tabernacles. It, it was the remembering of the people coming out of Egypt and living in the wilderness. So they would set up these temporary tents and live in them for a week to remember that their ancestors also lived in tents, like in this dependent state. Uh, like uh, they had to be dependent on God for, for instance, food, water, protection, shelter and light. And so if you flip back to John 8, look down where exactly where Jesus is standing. It says in verse 20, Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury, but he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. So in this section of the temple, during the festival of 
booths, tabernacles, shelters, there were these four pillars. And once a day, the priest would go and light these four pillars. And they said it was so bright that it would cast light throughout the entire city of Jerusalem. So these are like big candles, really big candles. And so some people even say Jesus spoke these words as these candles were being lit. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. These candles represented the pillar of fire that came down to lead the people through the wilderness. And so when the, the, at least during the nighttime, it was a pillar of fire. During the daytime, it was a pillar of fourth through sixth graders, pillar of, remember? Light at night during the day, cloud. And the pillar would move and then the people would move. And when the pillar stopped, the people would camp around the pillar and the pillar would settle on the tabernacle. And so the pillar represented the glory of God, the presence of God, the salvation of God, and the leading of God. And so when Jesus stands in this place at this time and says, I am the light of the world, he is saying, I am your salvation. I am the very glory of God. I am the very presence of God, and I stand at the center. If you really want life, you must put me at the center of everything. All of your decisions, all of your thinking, all of your desires. This is where real life comes from. And so, likewise, at the beginning of John, John chapter 1, it's just a few pages to the left, we are reminded that in the beginning there was darkness. So John chapter 1 starts in the same place that Genesis chapter 1 starts, and that's creation out of darkness. And John says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. That's Jesus. And this word, Word, Logos, is actually talking about like the, the idea behind the universe, the order that comes, the, the rational predictability of things to a degree. It says, in the beginning was the Word but it's also talking about Jesus. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it or perhaps can never understand it. So let's go to that next slide. Jesus is the center and the source. Jesus is not only calling us to make him the center of the life, he is in reality the center of all life. He is at creation and he is the creator. Of all things that we see and smell and touch and experience, but also, if you're noticing, John is packaging this with logos and understanding as the enlightenment of knowledge. Like if you really want to understand how life works, you have to look to Jesus. So Jesus is the savior when he says, I am the light of the world, just as the pillar of cloud and pillar of fire leads out of Egypt. He is the creator of the world. He is at the center of all things. Flip over a few more pages. Again, John talks about light quite a bit. John chapter 3, 
verse 18. Very famous passage. Not long after John 3.16, only two chapters later, where it says, For God so loved the world, He gave us His one and only Son. John 3.18 says, There is no judgment against anyone who believes in Him, but anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Next slide, please. So the light reveals our sin, but it also heals our sin. So just like if you've ever uh, cleaned up your yard after dusk, you think, oh, it looks pretty good. And then the sun comes out and you think, oh, it doesn't look as good as I thought it did. <laughs> or if you've, mown, if you've tried to mow the lawn in the dark, you're like, I mowed the lawn. No, I didn't. <laughs> the next day, <laughs> has anyone else done that? Yes, I'm not the only one. Good. It says here that while it would make more sense for people to feel fear darkness, people will actually fear light because of their sin, because of the darkness that actually resides in them. And if I step into the light, if I step toward God and he sees me as I really am, and if other people see me as I really am, perhaps he'll reject me or perhaps they will reject me. But in the passage that we're reading here, we see that it is actually stepping into the light that prevents judgment. So the, the light not only exposes our sin, but it heals our sin. Much like setting out a shirt that has started to kind of smell bad. If you put it out into the sun, the sun has a sanitizing effect. Yeah, Kale, what's up? Literal light will uh, expose what is dirty and will sanitize what is moldy, just as Jesus' spiritual light will expose what's inside and heal what's inside that's dirty or sinful. See, this is really helpful. This is like a picture of what could be. Thank you, Mikhail. Um, let's see. I think that's what I want to say about that. In any case, we don't have a ton of time, so let's keep going. First John. John is writing a short letter to just people who follow Jesus after his death and resurrection at this point to encourage them, to ground them in the story and person of Jesus. It's important to Remember that this isn't just a story, nor does Jesus just bring a set of ethical teachings. In, in John 8, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, the religious leaders freak out. And so there's like 40 verses on the religious leaders arguing with Jesus, like saying, you have no right to say such a thing. Because Jesus doesn't say, I am a light in the world. He says, I am the light of the world. And this is a claim about 
him as a person, not a claim about a set of religious teachings, not a claim about reality of the universe. It is a claim that says, I am the Savior, I am the Creator, and I am the place for you to find spiritual light. So in chapter 1, verse 5, I'm guessing, yep, John says, this is the message we heard from Jesus and now declare to you, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. So it's not that you're living in the light, but acting like you're in the dark. He's saying we're just, we're lying. We're, we're fooling other people to say we live in the light but then go on living the same way. Like if there was no change, if Jesus doesn't change you, John here is saying you're lying. You might be lying to yourself, uh, but certainly to others. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, this is how we, one of the ways we come into the light. We confess our sins, we realize our sin, and then we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. So there's a forgiving and a cleansing. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Now jump over, uh, just for me, it's just literally across the page to chapter 2, verse 7, where he says, Dear friends, I am not writing a commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you have had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. If anyone... Verse 9 claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer. That person is still living in darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by that darkness. This is actually a passage that we looked at at Vineyard Youth a couple weeks ago, if you were there, remember that. Um, Jesus, or John, does an interesting thing here by rooting what it means to walk in the light in Jesus' commandment to love. And he says, this is an old commandment, but it's also a new commandment. Why? Because Jesus shows us what love is. You want to look for a definition of love? You look in one place, the life and the teachings and the words of Jesus. He gives us definition. He is the one, the one, who can give us a clear picture of what real love is. Nowhere else. Not on Twitter. Not on cable news. Jesus helps us define love. And then he goes on to say, to the extent which you do not live out this commandment, there is still darkness inside of you. What he said a few verses earlier, but if we confess our sins, he is quick to forgive them. 
and cleanse us. Like there's a transforming thing that happens here. But the idea here of darkness not being an abstract idea, but being a way we relate to each other. Not only being like in the dark in terms of knowledge, which he kind of mentions, like this is part of what it means to be in darkness in like John chapter one, right? But also in the way that we gossip if we feel resentment toward others, if we are quick to judge others, John is saying, this is one of the ways we keep living in darkness. And in God, there is no darkness. And if you're following God, you'll continue to let the light in. And there will be a change when you do that. Because the Holy Spirit comes and empowers you, transforms you to be a new type of person. And so I think it's worth just in a moment to reflect on our own lives and the way we've thought about other people, the way we've related to other people, the way we've maybe said some things behind someone else's back. And simply, quickly, repent. Like it would be a great thing to reconcile with a person with whom there's been a breakdown. But a first step, because it's not only a, a grievance against the person, like you've, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sin element to this. There's a darkness. There's a, I'm going to turn back to Jesus. I'm going to say, I'm sorry. I'm going to say, please forgive me and please help me to be different. So for you today, who is that person what is that word? And there's simply an invitation to pray in your hearts with me. God, please forgive me. Heal me of this. Heal me of this tendency, this habit of envy of pride, of always needing to have the last word, of always needing to be right. Forgive me of gossip. And hear from me now that God is quick to forgive. And he's not going to abandon you because you screwed up. Jesus, mercy and grace and love is beyond our understanding of height or depth or width. And he pours it out on each of us. So I want to, I want to tell a quick story that maybe bring some of this together. This is an old story, um, very, very old, and I'm gonna adjust some things just a bit. Um, as I tell the story, there was a group of orcs who captured a group of <laughs> men from Numenor, <clears throat> and they took them underground. Okay, this is where some of my own editorial ends. 
Uh, they, they, they took them into slavery. They put them in prison to work in the mines of Mordor. <clears throat> Sorry, couldn't help myself. And uh, it, it wasn't just one generation. Uh, these people had children and their children had children. And so we have generations of people living underground and they were never allowed to come up and see the light of day. And so all they knew of light was torches and fires and dark, gloomy caverns. And there was some sense, there was some memory that there was something out there like what we experienced in the torch, but greater. And some people didn't believe it, and some people feared it, because if you get close to a fire, you burn your hand, and if you imagine like this big burning torch up in the sky, perhaps it would annihilate us if we went out and exposed ourselves to that kind of light and fire. But there was a group of people who believed in a world outside the cave. And they believed that there was color, even though they really had a very vague sense of what that was. Because all they knew was really dark, gray, dirty, dingy, washed out colors that cast shadows on the cave wall. And so there was a man, let's call him a Sildor. And one night he's, I always thought a Sildor was a household name, but it turns out it's not, but it's a Lord of the Rings character. He's sitting in his cell and he hears a tap, tap, tap. And suddenly there's this little beam of something so bright he can't even understand what it is that shines through his cell. And if he looks at it, it's just a little painful to behold. And he hears a voice and he says, I am your king. You've been in prison. And I will come to save you. So gather your friends. Tell your friends that I am coming and to meet me at the gate. This is a life-changing moment for Isildur. Nothing can be the same, but he goes back to his friends and he says, there's a world outside and I've seen a glimpse of it. And there's a king coming who will save us all. And some people don't believe him and some people mock him. And some people come to see what Isildur has seen, like a little speck of light on the wall. And some people are filled with hope and other people are filled with dread because of the pain. And some people look down and all they can see is the years and years of dust on their hands. And so they're filled with guilt and dread thinking I am unworthy for this world outside that will surely show just how dirty I am and I will surely be rejected. But others hoped, put their hope in the voice, put their trust in the king. And when the king came, he knocked down the walls and he let out those who believed into a new world, into a new way of being. And the beauty, once their eyes adjusted, was beyond 
what they even had categories for. And the sun, though bright, did not burn them. And the, the trees, there were trees, <laughs> and they were green, and they had fruit. And when the sun rose, and the sun set, and they saw the purples and the reds and the clouds, they wept with joy because the beauty overcame them. The last time Jesus' friend John writes about light, he's talking about the return of the king. Our king Jesus. And so in chapter 21, verse 22 of Revelation, we have a vision of a new city, of a new world, a place where slavery has ended and pain is gone and death is no more. It is the place and the time where every follower of Jesus puts their hope. And in Revelation 21, 22, John says, I saw no temple in the city for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the Lamb, that is Jesus, is its light. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night there. And the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city and nothing evil will be allowed to enter. And so would you please stand as the worship team comes up. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And the beautiful things that we can see because of physical light are only a taste of the beauty of Jesus. And the experiences we have where he floods us with joy or peace or a sense of his presence or love is just just a little hole in the wall compared to the promise of eternity with him and the beauty that he is but also wants to reveal in us. And so I'm just going to say, come Holy Spirit. That's an opportunity to pay attention to the reality that God is close and that God is beautiful. So come Holy Spirit. Shine your light on us. Whatever that means, Shine your light on us.
we turn our hearts to you and we worship you now. We recognize your beauty. You are the creator and our savior. The one who forgives and cleanses, who saves and transforms, and we are so thankful. We love you. Thank you for first loving us. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.